0: This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a homily preached for a service of evensong on November 3rd, 2020, at St. Andrew's in Birmingham. The principal text for the sermon is John chapter 17, verses 18 through 23, when Jesus prays for his disciples. By all accounts, the year 1968 was one of the hardest years in American history. Our country, Tired of the war in Vietnam was filled with protests. The country had not yet recovered from the riots that erupted from racial unrest the year before when Dr. King was assassinated in April. More protests followed that spring and Bobby Kennedy was then assassinated in June and the country felt hopeless. A flu pandemic that year killed a hundred thousand Americans. Violence broke out at protests at the Democratic National Convention. We were a country divided along racial, economic, and generational lines. A country crying out for justice and for peace. There are some eerie similarities between 1968 and now. I think when we look back on the year 2020, we will find that it was yet again, one of the hardest and maybe most defining years in American history. We have seen protests and violence. We are still divided along racial, economic, and generational lines, and all of our divisions have been laid bare and leveraged in this contentious election. We are still a country crying out for justice and for peace. Recently, when I was rooting around in a desk drawer in my home office, I stumbled upon a John F. Kennedy half-dollar coin, minted in 1968. I'm sure somehow it was from my mother. She started gathering up coins in the late 60s, right before they were going to change over from using real silver to using what they use now. It's one you're probably familiar with. It's got JFK's profile on the front, and on the back it has the seal of the United States, and there on the banner above the eagle's head is the phrase, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. This Latin phrase was added to the seal by an act of Congress in 1782, and it has served as sort of an unofficial motto for our country, Though officially, as of 1956, our motto is in God we trust. Of course, if you remember from your American history class, this motto stands for the idea that out of 13 disparate colonies, one country was formed. As a little bit of a funnier backstory, it was actually a popular tag for magazines, which were all the rage, and referred to the fact that they were a collection of articles from many sources used to produce a single issue. But if we look even further at the history of this phrase, go back to its roots, it most likely came from a paraphrase used by Cicero in the first century. When each person loves the other as much as himself, It makes one out of many. Imagine that. Snuck in on the back of our coin is that the love of the other is what makes us one. The glory that you have given me, I have given them so that they may be one as we are one. I am them, you and me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. The reading from John tonight is probably a familiar one. It's from Jesus' last night with his disciples. Just before he is to go out and be arrested, Jesus stops and prays for his followers, praying that somehow some way that they can be one, so that the world would know that God loved them and could believe. The oneness that Jesus is praying for isn't uniformity of belief. The disciples have long since proved that they can't get that. It isn't doing away with distinction or individuality. It's something harder than that. It's a oneness that is built on the relationship. It is a oneness that is built on love. Now we use that word love quite a bit. We throw it around a bit carelessly, but the love that Jesus is talking about, the love that was part of that new commandment that he told them a little bit earlier is something that is a lot harder. Jesus knows that the oneness that he is praying for is one that can survive the betrayal of Judas, the denial of Peter, and the desertion of all of his followers. He knows what is to come, but yet he still prays, Father, make them one through the power of your love. This kind of love is demanding. It is a love that demands that we love our neighbor as ourselves. It is a love that demands that we love our enemies. It demands that we love even when we have been betrayed by those closest to us. The love that Jesus prays to transform us, the love that will take our individual brokenness and knit us together into a community of God is the love that the Apostle Paul one-time persecutor of the church would describe as a love that can endure all things and hope all things. It's the love that endures the cross and destroys the grave. That is the love that Jesus is praying for to transform his followers to make them one. And that is the love that can make us one even in our moment of division. I don't know what will happen tonight or tomorrow with this election in the time that I have been talking the polls have closed and there are probably still people standing in line and I hope they keep standing and keep waiting so that they can vote While I don't know what's going to happen I do know that our work as Christians is the same today as it will be tomorrow that is that we are called to do the hard work of love. We are called to, in moments of controversy and division, to dig down and to use our gifts and our brokenness to find a way forward that is not just a compromise to smooth things over, but is a way of bringing us together to be something greater than ourselves. It's only the love of God that extraordinary good thing did happen in 1968 At the end of that year NASA did manage to send three men on a flight to the moon where they orbited the moon and on Christmas Eve that year the astronauts narrated an Earth Earthrise as it was broadcast back reading the first chapter from Genesis Those images traveled 239 miles through space, showing us, here at home, how small our planet is. From the moon, there are no borders. There are no divisions. There's no races of people. There was just, in 1968, 3.5 billion people doing the best they could to live another day. On a single planet suspended in the darkness of space. Sending three men to the moon on the Apollo mission didn't do anything to change the problems in our country that year, but it did give us a glimpse of what we could accomplish working together. No election, no president, no senate, no court, no Congress, no Politician, no individual can heal the wounds of our country. No one person or program or agenda can do that. It takes all of us, the many, to commit ourselves to love so that we can find our way to being one. I invite you before you go to bed tonight. Or if you can't resist the turn on the news to watch the returns, before you do that, go root around in a drawer and find a coin. You probably still have one somewhere. And it doesn't even matter the denomination because a penny, nickel, dime, quarter will do. And on that coin on the back, you're going to see that phrase, e pluribus Unum. Hold on to that. Hold on to that to remind yourself that our work, our call in Christ, and the call and the hope of this country is that the many can make us one. It's going to take all of us, all of our work, our courage, and especially our love, to transform us from many the people that are divided into one country moving forward. Amen.